welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Well, good morning. It's good to be uh, with you. I'm so grateful for the breadth of uh, capacity that our pastoral team has to be able to bring folks in to talk about things that are really important and might otherwise get missed, especially in our current conversation on uh, spiritual warfare and some of the elements of that. Um, I, I want to um, kind of bring a perspective rooted in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. So if you have Bibles, please uh, turn with me to the sixth chapter, because uh, the deep, deep truth is um, there, there are varying levels, right, of spiritual uh, awareness that we need to have. Almost everything, and I will say, I'll take the almost out, everything is spiritual. Everything has spiritual implications, and we need to be really paying close attention to that and not kind of ping on the wrong layers or levels because that's part of the strategy that is formed against us to get us focusing on the things that don't matter, the things that are, are more esoteric, the things that are on the edges. We have, we have the principalities and powers, the spiritual forces on top of, of those, the kingdom of God where Christ reigns uh, supreme already. This is not a future reigning of victory. This is a current reigning of victory. Jesus is already now seated on the throne at the, of the universe. He is already now now beginning to exercise dominion and authority. Uh, but Paul is going to suggest to us that in the meantime, as Christ's reign and work is being uh, finalized, so to speak, here on this planet, which rebelled against him, as far as we know, the only part of the universe that said no, which is why C.S. Lewis in his space trilogy refers to this as the silent planet. This, every other aspect of creation is declaring the glory and goodness of God, and earth is sometimes silent. And um, so we want to pay attention to what the implications of that are, because it's, it, 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 we need to be aware, for example, that there are layers of spiritual authority in the heavenlies. We'll talk about that. And that there are, there is this, what I think of as the in-between space where demonic activity and, and, and systemic evil is working itself out in the systems of the world that are, are massive and huge and that we need to be aware of. But I'm going to suggest to you that the more uh, difficult and pressing spiritual warfare is the part that takes place in here. And so Paul, very aware of all layers, right, speaks to how we in this environment address these, these uh, realities because far greater than whatever, you know, conspiracy you want to buy into, big pharma, big business, QAnon, and Illuminati, I mean, there, we just generate conspiracies to pull us out of responsibility, and Paul says, it's not that, okay, let's say, and so what? Let, let's, okay, y yes, but now what? Having identified the crazy, what does the real look like? And it's there, I would much rather uh, rage against the machine 
then show up for work on Monday. And here's where the battle is actually won. Because there's not a whole lot I can do about this layer crazy, just to be honest. Right? It's not about getting our guy elected and pushing back the darkness. It's not about uh, uh, taking out all of the, all of the. It is about showing up as salt and light in this world that needs a compassionate witness of the grace, goodness, and glory of God. So we are invited into that reality to, to, to recognize that we have an enemy who is very happy to distract us from boots on the ground faithfulness. We have an enemy that is very happy for us to cower under our covers in fear at the crazy that's happening at the macro level about which we can do nothing except pray. Oh, wait, what? Except pray. This is why we lean in with intercession. This is why we lean in as first defense, if you will, with prayer. And try out of that to discern what God is doing in this middle layer that we might perhaps be able to be involved in. And so Paul's uh, invitation here is uh, uh, to, 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 to live in this awareness. Uh, and so he writes to his friends in Ephesus, verse 10 of chapter 6, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's an invitation to a kind of warfare for which we are most suited. He begins with this aware development. Finally, be strong in the Lord. This is really critical. It's not that you have to do all of the work yourself. It's that you need to realize where your real resource is. It is this relational connection. I think we get pulled out of our in the Lord-ness by thinking we have to do stuff here and get it right here. But Paul is saying, no, the place you start is to reinforce over and over and over and again your in the Lord status and capacity. Make sure that your identity is anchored, locked and loaded in him and in his mighty power. The battle that we are fighting is not battles that we can win in our own power. We need to have an awareness 
of his mighty power, his capacity, his ability, his strength that is available for us. The times we are in call for strength. They call for courage. They call for valor. These challenging times, but the, it, it, it is critical that in we, as we do this, if we're not going to get pulled off message, if you will, if we're not going to get distracted, if we're not going to end up in the ditch of, of our own crazy, we need to put on these resources these, and, and find that our strength is in our relational connection in and with the Lord. This is why worship is so important. It's one of the reasons why I think, as I mentioned here months ago, that the, the people who can see in between the things that are seen, the mystics, the creatives, are the ones who can help us anchor ourselves more deeply in what is deeply true. It is, is, it is our, our strength is in the Lord because if we're not careful, we won't see. We'll be like, like Elisha's servant, seeing nothing but the enemies surrounding us, nothing but the barbarians, if you will, at the gate. And Elisha just prays very simply, Lord, open his eyes. Help him to see what's behind those forces that are allied against us. And of course, the hills are lined with the armies of the Lord. And that's what we need to see. We need to understand. This is, this is because, because remember, we have an enemy. We're clear on that. And he goes about, this is fascinating strategy Peter lets us into, like a roaring lion. And what is the function of the lion's roar when the flock is gathered? If you listen, the word that Peter uses here is referring to that deep, huffing, vibrating growl of a lion in the middle of the night that makes the ground vibrate. You know, like an aftershock of an earthquake where you've had the earthquake that catches you on, uh, uh, right? And then, and then you get the aftershock that sends you into pant. That's what that word means. And what happens is the little lambs panic and bolt from the coverage of the flock and become lunch. That's what the enemy's strategy is, to just kind of pulse the ground every once in a while to make it vibrate under our feet and make us feel like the world's going to end and, 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 and we got to do something about this. We got to do something. What are we going to do? Let's run around like our hair's on fire. That will be helpful. <laughs> and we become victimized by the fact that we haven't found our strength finally at the end of the day in the Lord, not in our abilities to do anything, but first in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we, are, and this, by the way, can we just underline this? God is not joining us in our battle. We are joining him in his battle. Really important. Not all of your enemies are God's enemies. Isn't that annoying? That is just so frustrating. And in fact, here's the worst part uh, that I've discovered recently. A lot of my enemies are God's friends who are sent into my life to help me grow up into Christ-likeness. And if I don't arm myself in the, in, in the Lord, I'm going I'm to be cutting ears off in the garden and wondering why Jesus doesn't, come on, help me out here. You, you know, here's Joshua 
heading into Jericho, he has this vision of this mighty warrior, and Joshua is just, whose side are you on? Are you on the... And, and the, angel, the, 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 the mighty warrior's response to the question, whose side are you on? Are you on our side? Are you on their side? The angel's response is, no. Wait, 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 what? You're not on our side, nor are you on their side. Joshua, the point is not whose side I'm on. The point is whose side are you on? And that is going to determine our strategies in the battle as well, which is why Paul then goes on and says, here's what you got to do. You got to put on the full armor of God. Same again, the resources that are available to you are sufficient for the battle that you are fighting. And the reason, you'll notice he says this over and over again, so that you can take your stand. Against what? Well, against the devil's schemes. You know what he's up to. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. He is opposed to all that is good. He is opposed to all of the goodness that God is doing. He want, he's, he's just the big lie over and over again. God is not good. God is not great. God is not sufficient. God is not majestic. God is not. This is Genesis 3 on. God is withholding. God is vindictive. God is angry. God is punitive. The big lie over and over and over and over again until we start to align the facts of our life around that big lie rather than around the truth of the goodness of God and inviting us into an awareness that I'm probably dealing with stuff that I don't understand. And the big lie enables me to take the things that I don't understand and misalign them into a false understanding of God. Anybody find yourself in that strategy, be aware of it. This is what Paul is saying. Put on the armor of God so that you can be aware, so that you can discern what in hell and on earth is going on. Otherwise, you're you're lunch meat, right? We, we good. And and here's the here's here's the here's the thing that Paul knows so well, and we. Our, our loath, to, it would be so much easier if our weapons, if our armies were, if our enemies were all out there. But they aren't. Our enemies, he's going to say this, are not flesh and blood. It's not your roommate. It's not your boss. It's not your, um, any of the people that you have identified. It's not the people in power. It's not the, it's, it, it, I'm not saying that there are not evil people in powerful positions. There are. But they are not our problem. And if we make them our problem, we'll be soon finding ourselves fighting on the wrong team. He is very happy for us to be provided strategies by which to take out flesh and blood enemies, thinking that in so doing, we have solved the problem. If we just vote that guy out and vote our guy in, all will be well. No, we tried that like hundreds of times. It hasn't worked out well for us. We're not better in charge than anybody else is. Why? Because nobody's supposed to be in charge. We're not built for authority to exercise over one another. We're built for empowerment from the ground down. We join Christ in his descent 
into greatness. So he says, put on the whole armor of God because you're the, the, we do have an enemy, rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There is such a thing as systemic evil. There is such a thing as people who have given themselves over in malice and so on and so forth to evil schemes of varying kinds. And it is so easy to focus on the them. And Paul is just saying, look, this is is critically important. The devil's schemes are primarily aligned to get us taking one another out rather than having a united front in battling the forces of evil. If he can get us to kill ourselves, our teammates, because of, I mean, and can we just say he's been doing such a good job? Can we just hear it? Can we, can we just hear it for the enemy of our souls? Because he's crushing it in the first half of pandemic. I'm just telling you, he's mounting up the points. We're killing ourselves. If you don't vote for this guy, if you don't believe this way, if you don't think you're a heretic, you're not going to have, like, it's up to you to decide who is on the island. It's not your island. You don't get a vote on who's in and who's out. And when we start to marginalize our brothers and sisters because of the things that they hold to be true to them, can we just suggest it's not because they're ignorant louts. Maybe they're differently informed than you. And you might have something to learn from them that you will not learn as long as you turn them into the enemy. This is so hard, right? Isn't it easier when we just cast out demons? Those guys are easy to deal with compared to this stuff. You know what I mean? And, 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 and so Paul is just saying, look, lean in here, lean in here. We take one another out of the battle. I, and here's the... De- Anybody else... The devil doesn't even have to get out of bed in the morning because I've blown myself up three times before lunch. (laughs) Anybody else know that? It's like, I don't need new temptations, sucker. I just fall for the same old shell game time after time after time. You don't even have to invent new strategies to screw me up. I will do it myself, thank you very much. (laughs) Anybody else fall into that category? It's like, come on. This is why Paul is saying, look, look, look. And why when we get to this, you'll notice the nature of the armament we are supposed to put on is really critical to notice. This is why discernment is needed. Jesus is very clear. There are people who are casting out demons in his name whom he has not authorized to do so. Matthew chapter 7. Your authority is a relational authority. You'll notice that little girl who followed Paul around in Philippi followed him around for three days before he had authorization to cast the demon out. He could have done it on day one. He had that kind of awareness of the authority that he stood in. But there was a strategy afoot here. This is 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 challenging for us. But we need to be aware of what it is that we're dealing with here. Otherwise, we're going to get distracted by the exotic. We're going to get extracted. And we love, the crazier the theory is, the more we fall in love with it. 
Christianity is just really boring. It's just same old, same old, day after day, walking in the presence of the Lord, dealing with hard things that happen as well and as best you can, offering everything up with thanksgiving. It would be nice if we were all sunshine and roses. It would be nice if we were all ecstatic experiences. But I'm here to tell you it just isn't. And the enemy is happy to distract us with exotic experiences from the same old, same old boots on the ground, day in and day out faithfulness that is going to turn the tide. So he says to us, look, put on the full armor of God. For what purpose? So that you can ride your charger into the battle. No. No so that you can stand your ground. So that you can stand your ground. When the day of evil comes, you're going to be planted. And it might wash over you, but it won't dislodge you. The image that he's got here, and you'll notice he says it repeatedly, stand, stand, stand. Having done everything, stand. This this key idea of standing firm, holding your ground. This is not a belligerent, you know, grabbing hold. It, it is it 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 is a, a an image that Paul is using here, and then he goes on and talks about it a little bit more fuller. It, it, it's more fully, it, it more fuller. That was interesting. Anyway, um, um, it, it, he he's using this this tortoise model of warfare that you saw illustrated in movies at various things where where you get a small cohort of soldiers who are shoulder to shoulder front to back uh with with this this is the image that he's got and the goal here and it's almost an impenetrable force because the shields that we'll talk about in a minute are are in front all the way around like a box and the guys in the middle all hold their shields up over their heads so it's like a box and their job simply is to hold the ground and and the victory is won in the in the fact of the holding that's that's the imagery that he's using here and he uses this language over and over again. They remember this is Ephesus. They're, they understand how the Romans fight. And they understand how the Romans defend the ground that they've already won. This, all of this is about defense, not offense. Why? Because, for brothers and sisters, our primary role is holding the ground God has given us, even in our own souls, not taking new ground, that's up to Jesus, and he's really good at it. He is going to add to the church daily those who are being saved. He's sending us out of this ground-holding reality to immerse people in the love of the Father, to re-correct the broken images they have of God and therefore of themselves. He's going to do that. But in the meantime, we need to hold the ground so that when those people are added, they've got a safe place to land. There's all kinds of images here in, in, in which he in, invites us uh, into this reality. Put on the belt of truth, and, and we can get all allegorical here, but 
but this this belt or girdle is a leather undercovering holding uh, all of the parts together, so to speak. That breastplate is is what you have seen in the uh, metal pounded metal that 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 is uh, fighting sandals. The the it, it is simply so that you can have a firm foundation. And, and I want you to notice what each of these represent for us here. He, he says the, 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 the belt is, 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 is truth. Have, have the belt of truth. Not truth telling as much, although it includes that. This is a, this is a life of integrity. Anybody discovered that when the enemy wants to get you, he just has a has a reel, a repeat reel of all your stupid? <laughs> all of the dumb things you've done, the embarrassing things, even maybe the sinful things, the shameful things, right? The, the, the surest, anybody else have, have that on repeat in the playlist? And, and, and what he gets at here, what he's hoping for, just this flood of things that you've already been forgiven for. He's just trying to ping to see if there's a little opening that has opened up in your integrity. That that little arsenic, that little poison, that little dart can get get in there and start to work its infection. And you start to believe, I'm not forgiven. There's still this pocket of dumb. There's still this pocket of lust. There's still this pocket of anger. And that means... Here's where the lie comes in. That means that all of this is still true. So he wants us to, he wants us to look, look. You, the only way to deal with shame is to ignore it. Because it's not real. Guilt, real. One way to deal with that. Confession. Receive the forgiveness that you have been offered before you confessed and walk in the forgiveness that you have been given. Easy peasy. Done. The thing that disables us is not guilt but shame. The belief that it's not just that what I did was wrong but that I'm wrong. Do, do you see? And, the, and this is a lie. This is just not true. And the only way to, to undermine this, because it's not true, the more you focus on it, the more true it becomes for you. So the only way, as far as I've, I've discovered, the only way is to ignore it, to offer up with thanksgiving and, and, and move on. That takes some work. But why Paul says, look, have everything held together with integrity. Be a person of integrity. Put that belt around you. Let it hold you together. And then, and then the breastplate of righteousness. He's not talking about our, it's the armor of the Lord. It's God's armor. It's the righteousness that he has provided you in Jesus. It is the righteousness that gives you permission and capacity to stand before the king of kings, stand upright before the king of kings. It is his righteousness. Put that around you. Now, now, it will have implications for how you live. 
This is why I'm saying I I need to put on this armor every day before I get out of bed in the morning, if possible. I need to remind myself of what is deeply true about me and about God. I need to put on that breastplate of righteousness, which determines how I treat my wife and my kids and my coworkers, because righteousness is not just right standing, it's also right living. It doesn't mean that I have to get everything right all the time. But it does mean that I need to have that platform. I'm standing on a reality of what God has done for me in Christ, and I want to live out of the center of that. Breastplate of righteousness. Peter says, I want you to live in such a way that when people make accusations against you, it will quickly become clear that they don't know what they're talking about. I was walking with somebody the other day who had who was terrified. He'd gotten an email message that his webcam had captured him in an act of satisfaction of lust in pornography. What if? And so I said, well, what if? If you've got the breastplate of righteousness on, it doesn't matter what your webcam captures. This is not about shame, but it's about the strategy. Do you see what I'm saying? It's much easier if we can deal with the spirit of lust and cast that out than deal with lust. You, 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 you with me? This is why he's saying put, it, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You don't need to worry. About, about the things that come in. And as it turned out, obviously in this particular instance, he's, he had been sober for months and months and months. There was nothing. And it was, uh, but you feel how we start to vibrate. The lion starts to roar and we start to panic. We start to lose the sense of who we are. Do you see? And, and Paul just says, look, put on, put, keep, Keep putting on the armor, this, this life, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of shalom, wholeness. That's it. It's, it's not just the gospel you proclaim, although it is that. It's the gospel you stand in. Has Jesus made peace with the Father on your behalf or not? If he has, and he has... Stand in that reality. Have your your stance anchored in the fact that all is well between you and the Father. That feet shod with the preparation. Because once once I've got that relationship settled, I'm good to go. I'm okay. I'll be fine. Do, Do you know? So he says, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Have, have this, 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 this shield of faith. I love this, this part of it. It, 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 it. You've got this roughly three by two, maybe sometimes it's three by four chunk of wood that is covered with about half an inch of leather that has been soaked in water. And the enemy's strategy with this tortoise formation was to shoot arrows on fire, lodging in the wood of the shields. Now do you get the strategy? 
Because they're soaked, you have the shield of faith because you stand in the reality. You are boxed in by protection. And when those flaming darts come, when the lies come, they land on that shield of faith and are extinguished by the water in which they have been soaked. That's the image that he's using here. Do you see what he's after? He's inviting us to live in a certain kind of way so that he's not saying the flaming darts won't come. They'll come. It's just if you have the shield of faith, you don't need to worry about them coming. You'll be fine. Stand firm. Don't panic. Because the cohort model depends on all of us supporting one another. Have this helmet of salvation the deliverance that God has already worked in and through and for you. And then take that sword, which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word that he uses here for sword is not the long sword that goes into battle. Offense. It's the short dagger for close infighting. So that when you're in the desert of your days, and the enemy comes and whispers in your ear, if you are the son of God, if you are the beloved, if you are as beautiful as you say you are, prove it. Oh, <laughs> man nor women live by bread alone, but by every word. I've heard the voice from the heavens. I'm going to stand in that reality. You're not going to get this square inch of ground. That's the image of the sword. It's not to take ground. It's to protect and hold the ground in your own being that has been secured by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm hopeful that what you're seeing out of this in Paul's strategy. Oh, and by the way, you'll notice what he says again that sword of the spirit, the word of God, standing, standing, standing. If we had verse 18 up, it would say, and, and above all, pray. So what do we, what do, we do? How does, I, I'm hopeful you're seeing how this might fit into everything we've been hearing over the last several weeks, which I think has been really wonderful, really good. But the deep and dark <laughs> forces... <laughs> In here, this is his strategy. You want to be effective in this middle ground of discernment, of knowing what to do and when to do it? Then plant, arm, and pay attention. Be discerning, be wise, be careful, and then you'll know what to do and when, and, and you'll, you'll have the confidence to step into that reality. So we have to recognize who our true enemy is, we have to be very clear, and again, Paul uses almost the same language to describe our enemies in Romans chapter 8 and says, let's be clear, all of this stuff happening, none of it separates us from the love of God. None of it. In all of this stuff, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave his life for us. So this is, this is, this is not, not, not crazy time. This is lean in to the goodness of the Lord time. Does that make sense? And, and, and inviting us into that. Uh, capacity to stick together. This is why our, I, I really think our house churches and all of the smaller groups within this larger group are so important. 
and, and where, by the way, the enemy <laughs> will just ping every once in a while with annoyance. Anybody have anybody in your house church that annoys you? No? Boy, are you guys lucky. Because that's where it's going to start to fragment, right? And, it's, and it, by the way, there, there might be some issues. Okay, I, I'm going to hold. I'm just, I don't need to panic. I don't need to fix stuff that's not mine to fix. And then we pray. So let's do that. Oh, Lord, uh, we sit with you in this passage and listen to, in some ways, the simplicity of what you're inviting us into here, um, that we, we are, are called to be your people. We are called to walk in a certain way in the reality of the gospel that has been proclaimed to us, the good news of forgiveness and the life that is now ours in Christ. Oh, Lord, we don't want to miss. Uh, we don't want to be distracted. We don't want to get off course even in the middle of this prayer that you would deliver us. We are aware, Lord, that that is a daily prayer, that it is deliverance from evil, not just out of, outside of us, but the evil that still has residence within us. And I pray, O oh Lord, that as we take Paul's wisdom seriously, uh, we would discover that the ground is held, that you can trust us, that you can invite us into greater levels and different places of, of embattlement, that we can join you in your work in the world. And we are grateful, O oh Lord, for the privilege of that kind of partnership. We invite you, Jesus, um, now just to um, seal in our own hearts this, this word and just invite you, Spirit of the living God, to calm our hearts, to help us recognize with discernment what the real battle is, to lean in to the strategy that you have given us here. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and, as is our usual practice, invite you, any of you that would care to, to be prayed for to come. But just before we do that, I want you to take a moment. What armor, what does it look like for you in this moment? to put on this armor of faith, to be a person of integrity, to walk with the righteousness that God has given you, to um, have on that helmet of salvation, to carry that shield of faith, to be so soaked in the word of God that you can use it strategically in defense against the lies that are told against you and about you. Where are the places where you recognize discernment is needed as to who your enemy is. Where are the strongholds that gives the enemy foothold in your life that he ought not have and only has because we have given it to him?
Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.